Seven. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. I am Deb Creer, and I'm the socialite. I am passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use social media as a tool to promote themselves and their businesses. And we have just an absolutely fabulous guest on today. Um, uh, uh, Dorothea, are you there? Uh-oh. Do we not have Dorothea on the line yet? Hello, Wild High Radio. Is there anyone there? Deb, it's Dorothea. Um, there we go. Okay. Actually, <laughs> to attempt to connect with you. Unfortunately, um, I wound up speaking with a man with a lovely voice. But uh, he didn't really, he just transferred me to you, so I think we're good. Perfect, perfect. We are on. So let me give you a quick introduction to Dorotea. Dorotea Bozacolona Volpe is a strategic digital marketing executive who is fluent in four languages and specializes in developing business for international brands, especially Fortune 500, via initiating and integrating social media and digital strategies and enterprise social networking, as well as building strategic partnerships and implementing marketing technologies. Dorotea teaches marketers and business leaders how to measure, optimize, and build current new media efforts to increase value and develop strong relationships between brands and fans. Additionally, Dorotea has appeared on social media strategy as a social media strategy subject matter expert on CBS and also on CNN's Ali Velshi Show. Some of her clients include, get ready for this list, folks. This is a fabulous list. American Music Awards, Waffle House, Oprah Winfrey Network, Randstand, BCD Group, Park and Fly, Ortec, Boy Scouts of America, Mashable, Ryan Seacrest, Ryan Seacrest Productions, Chrysler, The Weather Channel, which is the weather company, AT&T, Georgia Tech, American Marketing Association, Protect Your Bubble, Intercontinental Hotels Group, Mercer, Jewish Family and Career Services, Ogilvy and Mather, Reader's Digest, Qualcomm, Turner Network Television, Coca-Cola, and Powerade. Phew! When Dorothea is not doing all of that, she is an avid skateboarder who tweets to relax. Follow her on Twitter at socialespionage.com. So again, welcome, Dorothea. Thank you, Deb. I really do appreciate the opportunity to speak with you and all of your listeners and your audience today. Great, great. Well, the nice thing is um, that we were able to reschedule you. We had you scheduled a couple weeks ago, and unfortunately, a little bug struck. Um, but we were able to get you back on right away because I think that you have such a wealth of information, in particular because you have worked not only for some big-name companies, but in the international marketplace. Um, you know, I heard Dorothea speak at an event, and she was absolutely fabulous, which is what just cinched the deal that I had to have her on the program. So let's just jump right in. One of the things I really want to talk about is how social media is used in other countries. You know, we get very caught up here in the United States with, you know, Facebook is biggest. And if we want to contact people for in a business perspective, we use LinkedIn. But what has been your experience with working with social media in other countries? What kind of are the trends that you see there? 
So, Deb, again, I want to thank you for having me on the show, and I do appreciate uh, the kind compliments on the presentation that you were able to attend. That was very kind of you. I'm blushing on this end of the phone. I also <laughs> want to apologize for the fact that I am on client site, so I had to find a place that I thought was fairly quiet in a corridor so the two of us could speak my, my glamorous life as a social media strategist. So if you hear doors opening and closing and slamming, know that I'm not doing that. There are people around me that are doing it. Um, so as far as uh, your question, I want to kind of, if I could, sort of um, answer it in two parts. One, okay. you have to think about social media as uh, something that, you know, to a lot of areas of the, of the world, it's really very new. Even though Facebook mm-hmm. is, you know, several years old, uh, Twitter is, has reached uh, uh, its, oh my goodness, eighth birthday. It's kind of hard to believe when you think about that. Not eight, yeah, eighth birthday. It's kind of hard to believe when you think about that. What we're finding is that certain areas of the, the world, of the globe, are embracing social networking sites in a different way. Here in the United mm-hmm. States, because of the maturation of marketing and the way that we look at how we communicate and engage with brand fans and audiences, and I use audiences with purpose because that's what they are, um, we're finding, the most savvy marketers are finding that each social networking site is an ecosystem that's part of a larger brand uh, initiative, right? So, for mm-hmm. instance, a Coca-Cola might have a blog, right, that they want to lead people to, but they may post the blog post on their Facebook page, their Google Plus page, and also uh, on Twitter in a different fashion because they've realized that they've got different followers on Twitter and they do have Facebook fans and so on and so forth. People tend to hear mm-hmm. in the United States through the maturation of social networking sites, they've kind of picked their go-to network and, and that's what they go to first, right? Uh, in right. areas of the globe, like I wonder if I could pick on Turkey because I had the wonderful opportunity to work for Cisco in Istanbul last year. And what mm-hmm. I noticed, and you know there's been a lot of hubbub with uh, politics there as it pertains to their prime minister trying to, uh, in some way, shape, or form, shut down Twitter, but people have found workarounds, right? Um, what's of happening course. specifically in, in places like Turkey is it's used not just for customer service and also for brand awareness initiatives, but people in that area of the world are using social networking sites like Twitter to share uh, inadequacies in the government and concerns that they wow. have with the political regime. Um, you know, wow. we need only to look at like the Arab Spring, right, to think about how mm-hmm. um, how that has changed how we communicate. You know, many years ago, Malcolm Gladwell, who I think is a brilliant writer, the guy who wrote The Tipping Point and Blink and others, he mm-hmm. talked about mm-hmm. how he felt that in the New Yorker, how he felt that um, social networking sites built vacuous relationships between people and that they weren't very deep. And then, you know, I, I would counter that by saying, Mr. Gladwell, you're completely and utterly wrong. Look at Libya, look at Egypt. We've seen incredible social movements coming out of just Twitter alone. Um, and, and when it comes to other networks like Facebook and what have you, the Egyptian Revolution started out literally uh, as a Facebook group. Um, and then it moved to Twitter, and they still have a very strong presence on G+. Again, I do apologize for the background noise. I know it's loud. Oh, that's all right. Um, I'm not hearing that. So I think it's okay. Okay, good, 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 good. But what we're noticing also with Google+, Plus, you know, um, a lot of people don't know that Google+, Plus was initially used as the enterprise social network or corporate intranet for Google employees around the world. And because it had such a, a global um, adoption from an employee population, they started to turn that around and create the opportunity for brands and, and, and individuals to use Google Plus in a way 
that would allow them to segment, if you will, who some of their audiences were. I don't know if you're familiar at all with Google Plus and its functionality, but mm -hmm. they have circles. Right. You can have specific circles for the brand itself, who you're communicating with from mm -hmm. a, a marketing perspective. Maybe you're a brand that has several different sub-brands to it, and you have specific people that are uh, engaged with you in one brand but not another, and you segment them out in a circle. So we're also kind of seeing, you know, uh, that take hold here in the United States. Um, and I'm also seeing Google Plus really take a little bit of the fire away from LinkedIn. You know, there are a lot mm -hmm. of searches that are being conducted on Google Plus around the globe and here in the United States. People are, are really looking to connect uh, on G Plus with other thought leaders. So I'm seeing people mm -hmm. like Richard Branson right. um, and others take that space and really embrace it. Uh, hopefully mm -hmm. that answers your question. Um, yeah, but anyway, that's how it's been it, adopted globally. It does, and, and I think what we see here in the United States is we get a bit spoiled with our social media, and, and, and we're posting about what we watch on TV and, you know, what are our favorite Easter egg hunt was and, and things like that, and we forget that in these other countries, they're using social media in so much, it's a different way. I won't say more powerful, it is a very different way. So I think it's fascinating to see and, and hear about how other, uh, how people in other countries are using tools like Twitter and Facebook and, and Google Plus to really reach out to people. Um, you know, and, and Google Plus to me is, is a fascinating one because I think it's, you know, it is obviously still kind of one of the underutilized social media platforms. So when you're there, if you're there and you're very active, it is much easier to kind of establish your presence or to connect with people like Richard Branson or, you know, some of those other big thought leaders. And that's why I always push people to consider Google Plus and, and you know, really make sure that it is part of their social media efforts. Well, to your point, Deb, uh, you made a very valid point there about G+. What Google has done is they've added social search in their algorithmic equation, they're always changing right. and mm -hmm. uh, Kit Kats and that there's different names for different functionalities. But what they've done mm -hmm. now is because of the plus one, if you and I connect over a specific piece of content and we both plus one it, you know, it's going to mm -hmm. move that specific piece of content, whether it's for a brand or maybe it's a quote or what have you, up the ladder in the social uh, search food chain mm -hmm. according to Google. And since Google really right. is you know, bar none, the number one search engine, sorry, Bing, I don't mean to interrupt or, you know, to, to, to be disrespectful, but it's true. Um, it, it's so interesting to see how Google sort of pushed the envelope a little bit there and is asking people who are, are marketers as well as consumers to plus something or like something in their world so that that will allow that brand to have a higher ranking in Google search. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and it also gives priority in your search. You know, if I'm logged into Google+, and then I just do a regular Google search for, you know, whatever, it finds content from Google+, and, and puts that higher in the, the uh, search when I, when I search for that. So I think that's something important for people to remember is, you know, if they're on Google+, and they're fairly active there, their content will go higher in a search to other Google Plus members. So it's kind of like, you know, they're, they're part of that club, and Google really wants to, to help promote them. And, and I think that's a benefit, especially for some businesses who may be finding that they're having trouble on Facebook, getting people no to notice them, 
you know, same with Twitter, and they're not quite sure how to, to promote their business on LinkedIn, Google Plus is making it easier and easier for businesses to do that. Yeah, you know, it's a really great segue to an article that I tweeted out today, um, mm-hmm. specifically to the Direct Marketing Association uh, in Europe. You know, they did a poll of 171 UK-based, you know, marketers, and what they were asking them to do to actually rate the social media platforms in areas of things like campaign planning, execution, and even post-campaign analysis. And it was mm-hmm. interesting that Facebook came in number one uh, based right. on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, right? And then LinkedIn was sort mm-hmm. of a, a second, and then Twitter a third. And YouTube and Google Plus mm-hmm. were actually fourth and fifth, respectively. But what they were finding mm-hmm. is that their findings were very different from, you know, the research group here in the United States, Forrester, who released a report claiming that Facebook had failed marketers because, to your point earlier, that they're no longer supporting social marketing. And I, I'm going to kind of take, right. I don't know I'm going to take a hit for this. I think part of that is because brands are still trying to figure out how to use Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. You know, gone are the days where people, you know, a few years ago we would get asked, oh, like our Facebook page or come over here and like us on Facebook, right? Well, why should I do that as a consumer unless in some way, shape, or form you're going to make me feel like I'm getting some kind of VIP treatment. You know, mm-hmm. brands now have realized that they've got to be a little bit smarter and a little bit more um, uh, proactive and I will say aggressive mm-hmm. because um, we can't just be lazy and say, like our page. Well, what's the benefit to right. me? You know, where's the what? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're seeing happen um, more and more specifically to Facebook. So what Facebook has done is they've basically said, hey, lazy marketers, that's really great. You want people to like your page, but you've got to be providing really great content with what I like to say, great context, relevancy, to your mm-hmm. audiences. Mm-hmm. So they're going to want to engage. They're going to want to take an action, whether it's a like or a share or commenting on something that you have posted. So I think what Facebook is trying to push marketers to do is not only be a little bit more savvy with their content, but also obviously push them into taking out a Facebook advertisement, so on and so forth. Right. Well, and they're also going to start penalizing the posts where you are simply asking for other people to share or like the post. Um, you know, because we've all That's seen correct. those posts. They're, you know, post after post in, in our feeds where they post the cute picture, the picture of the veteran, um, you know, the, the cute kitty, you know, things like that that really don't pertain to the business, but they say, hey, you know, like this post. Because then, of course, future posts will show up in the news feed, and, and they figure that that's a way uh, to get their, their information in front of you. And Facebook has figured that out. You know, Now, granted, there will be some posts that you will do that will get lots of likes and shares. But it has to pertain to what you do as opposed to, hey, this is a cute kitten picture. Like it and, and see those things. And I think that's where marketers are really going to have to adjust because they have been thinking we can just, post and get these thousands of fans and then never do anything. And you used a, a keyword, a key term a little bit earlier of brand fans. You know, these, these people are fans and friends of your page because they want that information. You know, I don't want the cute kitten picture unless it's, say, from my veterinarian. Um, you know, I want information that is good for that business, that will benefit me, that I can share with my friends and feel good about sharing you know, I just don't want the, the, the cutesy pictures or the, hey, share this if you like this type of thing. And then I think it's, it's a good thing that Facebook is doing this. But if you also, um, to your point, 
you know, you also have to take a look at Facebook as to what it is, where it is today. You know, you've got a lot of people who are gravitating toward it that are not as tech-savvy uh, as the rest of us, that just didn't grow up with technology. One of the, the stories I really love on Facebook uh, that came out of, I wanted to believe, American Public Radio or NPR last year, where they were talking about people that were 80 and up, octogenarians, are actually getting mm-hmm. on um, getting on Facebook uh, so they can communicate with their grandkids and their great-grandkids mm-hmm. and other people that they were connected with. And what we're also seeing happen slowly but surely is younger people are falling off of Facebook and moving right. more towards the social visual network like Instagram, like Snapchat, um, mm-hmm. and Vine and others simply because of the visual component, the fact that they don't have to text, they don't have to really, um, you know, uh, know really what they are specifically uh, posting. And doing that, they're very visual people. You know, they don't have to sit and spend time. I mean, a lot of them are so used to speaking into Siri, and Siri does mm-hmm. the talking for them in a way. So they don't right, have to right. sit and mm-hmm. type. You know, it's a little scary that you know you and I probably grew up with you know uh, a keyboard. They're now they're mm-hmm. growing up with gesture navigation, so they can just swipe left mm-hmm. or right to find out whether or not they like something. Mm-hmm. Well, and. That really does bring up that there are so many new applications, so many other things that, that people can use. And so we're, we're going to take our, our quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about those new applications. And I, and I use new, I'm, I'm going to put those in air quotes here, because some of them really aren't new, but they're kind of catching on in popularity. And I, and I want to, to get your opinion on how businesses can use something like a Snapchat or an Instagram to really reach their target audience. Obviously, it has to be the right demographic, but, you know, how a business can use something like Instagram to really reach out to their customers. So I am Deb Creer, and I'm talking with Dorothea Bozicolona-Volpe on Mile High Radio. We'll be back in just a moment. Thank you. Thank you for being a friend. Qualification require cancellation fee, auto pay, and paperless billing, and other restrictions apply. If you can't see the difference, why pay the difference? Switch to Dish for the best deal in entertainment. Only Dish brings you the best in entertainment for less than $20 a month. Cut the cable and don't get directed. Switch to Dish because at just $19.99, Dish saves you every time you turn on the TV. It's so simple. The same channels cost less with Dish. So since you can't see the difference, don't pay the difference. Switch to Dish for the best deal in entertainment. Get premium movie channels free for three months, starting at just $19.99. Dish saves you every time you turn on the TV. Call now to save with Dish. Dial 1-800-943-9074. That's 1-800-943-9074. The same channels for less than 20 bucks a month. Dish. Call 1-800-943-9074 for details. Have you ever 
wondered how you could make a difference in someone's life? What if you could help hundreds or even thousands of children? Students in the U.S. rank 32nd in world math skills. It's time for our children to catch up. Become an owner of one of the world's fastest-growing franchises, Mathnasium. Mathnasium is the leading math-only learning center in the U.S. Imagine helping hundreds, even thousands of students in your community improve in school and raise their self-esteem. Call us at 800-783-0798. That's 800-783-0798. Deb Creer, and I'm talking with Dorothea Bozicolona-Volpe. We're talking excuse me, about social media, obviously, but before we jump in, Dorothea, tell people how to connect with you online. Certainly. Um, the best way I really to find me is on Twitter. I'm at Social Espionage. Um, my web presence is the same, socialespionage.com, um, and obviously I, have, I keep a LinkedIn profile. I'm on all the social networks. But I find that Twitter, for me, uh, is sort of my preferred. So I tend to have more conversations and engage more Mm -hmm. there, um, Mm -hmm. with Facebook probably being a close second and LinkedIn a third. So it's just really easy. Social, S-O-C-I-A-L, espionage, E-S-P-I-O-N-A-G-E. It's also the name of my company. Perfect. Great. Well, and also, one of the things that I mentioned was that I heard you uh, at a presentation here in Atlanta. And for our Atlanta Listeners, um, where are you speaking this week so that if they're interested, they could come in and hear you? Oh, certainly. Thank you for mentioning that, Deb. I appreciate it. I've had the wonderful opportunity to uh, speak publicly a lot this year. Um, there's a really interesting group of meeting planners. The Georgia uh, Meeting Planners International have asked me to come and speak to their certified meeting planners, to the people who are in the hospitality industry, uh, who attend an event every year called Eventeract. Adventuract is a two-day event. I think it's taking place um, in downtown Atlanta at uh, the Mart, uh, the American Great. Mart there. And uh, I'll be speaking on two specific topics. One is social visual communication, which is, I think, something mm-hmm. we're going to dive into here in a moment. And the other is on mm-hmm. Pinterest for business. Mm-hmm. Great. Perfect. Well, you know, so if you're in Atlanta, check out Adventuract. There will be, you know, it's, it's as uh, Dorothea mentioned, it's a two-day conference, so tons and tons of great information down there. So before the break, we started to talk about other social media applications that people can use. Um, you know, we're used to Facebook, we're used to Twitter, LinkedIn, Google+, some things like that. But, you know, say you're a business and you're trying to reach a younger demographic, how would a business go about using Instagram to do that? Well, you know, it's interesting because I would say first they need to find out whether or not that's where their clients are. I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of fishing where the fish are first and finding out right. who your influences are and then kind of working backwards toward those social networks where they're actually spending their time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What I'll say is if you're a small business, let's say you're a restaurant um, and you have to compete with a lot of the big restaurant groups that are out there. Um, my recommendation if you're using Instagram it's not only to take pictures of food. Don't you love food shots? I know I do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but also become a member of something like food spotting, where you can actually spot specific, um, you know, uh, food items, uh, menu items, 
and talk a little bit about them. You know, one of the things that I do quite like about Instagram is that you can hashtag, you can talk about your photos, you can caption them, um, and share maybe what the special is of the day for lunch or for dinner with your audiences. It's really important that, you know, you, you understand this is a social visual network and that mm-hmm. you understand how to use visual properly. You know, one of the things I like about Vine, if, if I can segue into that for a moment, Vine ah. is six seconds of video, and I think it's really mm-hmm. changing the way that we think about um, sharing information. Um, specifically, when you're launching a new product, um, you know, uh, I don't know if you noticed that Dunkin' Donuts made history September of last year, 2013, when they actually bought a television spot and utilized a Vine video, a six-second video, across all of the news networks to tell a Dunkin' Donuts story. So think about this. Wow. If you're that aforementioned restaurant, right, mm-hmm. and you want to share with them, um, you know, maybe a, a dessert, like let's say cheesecake is your, your, you know, your big dessert at your restaurant. Mm-hmm. My recommendation would be it wouldn't be neat to take a six-second video of how that cheesecake is crafted. You know, where the ingredients are going to it, how fresh are they, mm-hmm. how are you telling the story of that specific food item. So I think that that in itself is kind of um, unique and a wonderful way to use something like Vine. Instagram, as you know, mm-hmm. shortly after Vine was introduced in January of 2013, Instagram decided to uh, add 15 seconds of video to its service. So now you've got a mm-hmm. couple of options. You need know, to take, take Vine and, and do a six-second story or use Instagram and take a 15-second story, which is mm-hmm. another great uh, uh, um, option is also um, Snapchat. Um, Snapchat allows you to take about, oh, I think it's maybe about uh, 12 or maybe 20 seconds worth of video. And uh, mm-hmm. excuse me that I need to double-check that because it's been a while since I've sent a Snapchat out. Normally it's to my niece who's 19 years old and is the son. Um, but what I'll <laughs> say is that the thing that's so unique about Snapchat is they're now allowing for stack stories. I think Instagram does this as well. Whereas you mm-hmm. can actually tell within a voice Snapchat work is a little bit different than the other social visual networks in that it is video. Typically, the video goes away in 24 hours. So you've shot this short video. You're sharing it with your followers, right? Okay. And then it goes away in mm-hmm. 24 hours, um, mm-hmm. which I, I think, in my humble opinion, has probably changed the porn industry uh, entirely. But mm-hmm. that's a story for another day. Um, <laughs> no, more, no longer do they have that blush-worthy content, right? They're getting a little bit smarter about who mm-hmm. can jump on and who can jump off of Snapchat. But what I'll say is that with these stacked stories, if you're a brand and you're pretty savvy at social visual communication, you now mm-hmm. can tell a stacked story over uh, a longer period of time. So now wow. they're allowing brands, I believe it's up to 48 hours there, but I do need to double check that, where mm-hmm. they'll allow you to actually use, um, you know, maybe tell like, for instance, a, a, a quick and dirty soap opera that has to do with the brand, right? They did something right. that was really, mm-hmm. really unique and cute, I think, with Vine, where mm-hmm. they allowed you to um, tell a story, and the story was about, uh, an underground gambling operation where, you know, mm-hmm. they were gambling on um, uh, turtles and things of that nature, a turtle race. It was really cute, <laughs> done very mm-hmm. well. But what I'll say to you is that that's getting brands another opportunity to tell a story in a series. So if you're right. about to release a product or maybe you're doing a campaign around um, a sporting event, you can have two or three different videos now and stack them so you can release mm-hmm. them to your audiences that are interested in that type of content over a short bit of time. And I like that. Um, I like the idea of that because I feel like it makes you feel a little bit more like a VIP. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're turning into a channel that you've chosen to, just like when you, you know, you're on Netflix or your favorite, you know, uh, broadcast network like an NBC right. or mm-hmm. what have you. 
you're taking an active role in tuning in and consuming that content, then I think that that's what makes it a little bit more special. And if you're following mm-hmm. a brand on Snapchat, you know, it makes you feel a little bit more like, wow, I really am an audience member. I'm part of this brand. I'm part of this community. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It does. You know, and, and to me, video is such a powerful medium. You know, and, and I mean, there's, there's a reason why Google bought YouTube. You know, Google's not stupid. They realize that, that video is really the way to go. And so I think any business that can take advantage of, you know, th- these, these video programs really should look at doing that. You know, and, and if you can't tell your story in some of those short little snippets, then maybe you need to rethink what your story is. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, we all have the attention span of a gnat. And if it's taking longer than about 20, 30 seconds, unless it's really interesting, people will go on. Well, that's what I like about the concept of being able to have multiple videos. You know, if, if somebody saw one, you know, part one, and they liked it, then they'll go on to part two and three. If they didn't, well, you know, they go on to something else, but you didn't annoy them by doing something too long. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm not wild about on Facebook are the autoplay videos, you know, and, and uh, it, the nice thing is the sound doesn't autoplay, but excuse me, when these videos just start playing, you know, it might not be a video I really want to want to see. And that just really annoys me. And I know that there's a, the ability to turn those off, but you know, I like more of what you were saying about you know you've opted in to really get that content. So I think that's something that businesses really should be checking out. Yeah, I agree. Now you know one of the things that businesses always struggle with, you know that the uh, you know the the restaurants, the people like that, that's a B two C type of of interaction. How do B two B? So when you're just trying to reach other businesses. What, you know, how do you use social to do that? Well, that's a really uh, big question. It's a very broad question. Um, you know, again, I'm going to go back to really getting to know your customer. I'm a big fan of Peter mm-hmm. Drucker. And one of the things that he said that I think still resonates uh, is that no business exists without basically wanting to create a customer. And now right. I'll quote Richard Branson. You know, the only way that you want to, as a, an entrepreneur, as an innovator, really, um, you know, really create a business is because out of a sense of frustration. You know, you're seeing mm-hmm. something that um, is missing in the marketplace. And so, you know, what I'll say is that it's really important that you understand, you know, who your customer is, where he or she is spending their time. You know, if you're a B2B mm-hmm. business and you find that a great number of your customers are spending their time on LinkedIn, well, that makes complete sense for you to have a stronger presence there. Um, mm-hmm. if, if you're a B2B business and you're finding that, more leads can be generated from something like Twitter, maybe it makes more sense for you to be spending some time there. But I think it's very important that you have an integrated approach and always, always think of your website as a foundation. You do want to lead Mm -hmm. people back to interact with the brand. You know, it's wonderful to be present on social networking sites if it makes sense for your company. Right. But it's really, Mm -hmm. really important, in my humble opinion, that you spend some time on your company blog and educate, mm-hmm. you know, part of uh, being a good brand citizen today as a marketer is providing your audiences with the opportunity to engage with your brand because you're providing them with something that, that they don't have elsewhere. Um, you're mm-hmm. giving them uh, something. You're not a taker. I'm quoting Gary Vaynerchuk right now. I'm a huge fan of his. You know, you're not mm-hmm. taking. You're actually giving something. 
also providing them perhaps with content like an ebook or a white paper or, mm-hmm. you know, the opportunity to communicate with you and learn a little bit more about your brand through a webinar, let's say. Um, it's mm-hmm. really important you use these social media channels to lead people back to your blog, your website, you right. know, other areas where maybe, maybe you put a presentation up on SlideShare that your CEO uh, shared at a recent association or conference. Uh, meeting. Mm-hmm. That's really pertinent data for somebody who's in your industry, wouldn't you agree? Well, and I think the thing for B2B people to remember is it's not a business that is buying from you. It is another person or, you know, maybe a team of people or, or things like that. So, you know, you, it's you're always communicating with a person and you're providing them with those white papers, with those webinars, with, you know, the, the information that they need. And, and I think that's where some people get caught up, you know, because I have so many people that tell me, oh, LinkedIn is not for B2B or, you know, or they'll, they'll say the opposite because they don't quite understand the platform. They're all people, you know, it, you're not communicating with, you know, X business, you're communicating with that person. And I think that's where sometimes people really get caught up in it, um, you know, and, and I don't know if that's something that, that you find that differs in other countries or if that's, you know, the, the same thing, you know, if it's unique to the U.S. or, you know, it's, it's interesting when I've traveled, the advertising and, and the you know, social media and things like that do seem to come across differently in other countries. I think, um, you know, that's, that's something that I have noticed that, you know, but we all need to keep in mind, we're communicating with another person. We're not communicating with another business. That's right. People buy from people. I think I talked about that at the ESMA event mm-hmm. that you attended, uh, the Executive right. mm-hmm. Sales and Marketing Association of Greater Atlanta, just for those of you who don't know what ESMA means. Thank you, Bruce Coffin. Mm-hmm. There's your plug. Um, what I'll mm-hmm. say is that um, people buy from people and that you have mm-hmm. to have a relationship with your buyers, uh, one that's built on authenticity, one that's built on truly helping them solve whatever that burning business problem is. Um, mm-hmm. And you can do that relevant content. You can do that through a white paper. You can do that through an ebook. You know, you can do that through maybe a series of tweets. You know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Toby Bloomberg, and she, she wrote a book on Twitter and asked some of the top people in social media how to use Twitter properly many years ago, and that book is still on my shelf today, and it's still relevant mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. It, it literally talks uh, about, hey, how do you get into conversations with people on Twitter? How do you lead the conversation uh, respectfully to business? And how do you how do you ultimately gain leads and close business? Right, right. Mm-hmm. Again, to your point, people buy from people, and it's really important that you understand that you are talking to human beings, even mm-hmm. if at times their Twitter logo is uh, the brand's logo and not mm-hmm. uh, a human face. You know, there are individuals, and we're seeing it happen every day. You know, I, I fly in Delta a lot because I've got clients in other states, and when mm-hmm. I've noticed that I've lost a bag or I've had an issue. I need only to tweet at Delta underscore assist. And they do a mm-hmm. very good job of helping me immediately, more so than I'm going to go back five, six years from, uh, uh, ago when you'd have to pick up a phone. I dial the 800 number because I'm a part of their frequent flyer program, their SkyMiles mm-hmm. program, and have to speak to an individual who has to help me and look up things in his or her database. Now with Twitter, I need only to send out a tweet I get a direct message back. I'm able to communicate with mm-hmm. a live human being who's helping me out right away. And I don't know how they've set up their systems, but I think they've done it fairly intelligently. And right. that mm-hmm. I get an answer right away. I mean, 
you know, I, I'm doing some surveys right now for a client uh, in the travel space. I can say that much. I can't say who they are. But as I'm speaking with their customers as well as their employees, and I ask them, you know, hey, when was the last time you used social media to solve a customer service issue? Well, first off, I couldn't have asked that question a decade ago, one. Mm-hmm. Two, when I've asked that today, it doesn't matter how old they are, whether they're in their 20s or well into their 50s, a good 50% of them said, oh, I go to Twitter or I go to their Facebook page and I tell them what I think. Mm-hmm. The right. other 50% is kind of a, a, a broken uh, a percentage there. They'll call an 800 number or they'll go directly to the brand's uh, mm-hmm. webpage, right, their website. Um, right, so it's right. uh, mm-hmm. very interesting, you know, that, that we're seeing even customer service uh, itself, you know, we're seeing there be a paradigm shift there in relationship to how brands are communicating with their customers using the social media channels to solve an issue. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really neat when, you know, we as human beings go back and we thank them. I'm a big fan of when mm-hmm. Delta Sisters done something right or GoGo in flight internet. I use GoGo a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. I've tweeted them back and said, awesome. Thanks so much for helping me out. You guys did an excellent mm-hmm. job. You know, what I find, Deb, is that people are becoming so used to kind of living out loud and telling people their problems on Twitter and Facebook and what have you. They don't have a problem doing it when they have an issue with the brand. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, we're, we're all walking around with our smartphones, and it's so easy to complain or to praise just by doing a quick tweet, you know, a quick post on Facebook. And, and I think that, you know, it, it really anymore doesn't matter on the demographic. If you've got a smartphone, you pretty much know how to do some of these things. Right. And I think to some degree we have become the media, you know. There was mm-hmm. an article in the Atlantic last year, I think it was like around the third quarter, where they were talking about Apple becoming the number one camera company in the world mm-hmm. simply because of the fact that it's got that little, you know, smartphone attached to it. People are, are truly the media, you know, um, mm-hmm. and I think that because uh, the smartphone having that really nice lens, you know, Instagram having all the opportunities for filters and lenses, I can take a completely mm-hmm. crappy photo and change it up with the right uh, lens on it and the right filter, right. and it can look like a masterpiece. Um, you can mm-hmm. just see the pictures alone I take of my favorite pizzeria. So what I'll say to you, you know, if you're following me on food spotting at Social Espionage, you'll see all of it. It's amazing mm-hmm. to me to see how we have become, you know, this very living out loud uh, society. Mm-hmm. And we have a great deal of young people who, if it weren't for social visual communication, they wouldn't communicate at all. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, you know, one of the things that you mentioned is it's so immediate. And businesses really have to be cognizant of that because if they're not monitoring those social media sites and someone has posted, you know, positive or negative, I mean, we expect a response almost right away, especially it seems like when we complain, um, you know, or have an, an issue or a problem or even, even just a question. You know, we want those responses heard, and we want them heard right away, and we want that answer. And if we don't get it, then we post again and again and again, and then it, it piles on. And, I, you know, I think that's what scares businesses is they think, you know, they have to monitor it 24-7. They have to really respond right away. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's not that they respond right away. Obviously, it depends on the business. You know, if you are an airline, if you are, you know, a restaurant or something where somebody really is expecting somebody to, to respond fairly quickly, then you do need to, to monitor it and, and really watch those things. But, you know, the, the worst thing right. is when somebody posts and, and nobody responds. Um, you know, I posted on somebody's Facebook page, and this was a business, 
And, you know, and, and in essence, I was saying, hello, I want to come and spend my money with you. And they never, ever responded. You know, and, and yeah. I took my business elsewhere. You know, and, and I think that's, mm-hmm. that's something that businesses absolutely have to be cognizant of because, you know, we, we are expecting immediate responses. Well, you know, to your point, you know, the other side of it, too, is I'm seeing a lot of brands now um, wanting to push people toward an 800 number. So on Facebook and uh, on areas, uh, on other networking sites, they're saying, hey, please don't communicate mm-hmm. with us here. Call our 800 number. And mm-hmm. personally, and I, think I can speak for myself only, you know, if a brand were to tell me that, I would kind of think that they were giving me the kiss off. They would tell me, mm-hmm. oh, I don't care that you have a problem. Go kiss up a rope or call our 800 number. And I right. think that uh, that's, that's a huge mistake. You know, if I'm somebody mm-hmm. who prefers to make phone calls, great. Provide me with that 800 number. But mm-hmm. if I'm somebody who prefers to tweet my issue or to post something on Facebook, I think you should allow me to speak openly about my issue and get it resolved. Mm-hmm. Um, Frank Eliasson, who has moved on to a credit card company, started at Comcast Cares. And I think he did an amazing job for setting a gold standard for customer service. Now, I know there are a lot of Comcast uh, subscribers that are probably listening to this radio show right now going, really? How did that work? You know, they're they're still maybe not as happy with Comcast as perhaps Comcast would like them to be. But what I'll say is that it it really changed the face of customer service and that they Mm -hmm. made it part of their SLAs, their service level agreement. They were going to answer back tweets of people who were having issues at Comcast Mm -hmm. Cares in a certain period of time. So those folks would feel like, you know, they're just as important as if I were to have a conversation with you over an 800 number. Right, right. You know, and, and I think that's, again, where it's so important to know your demographic. You know, if, you're, if mm-hmm. you really are trying to reach people who are so used to just using their smartphone and just using Twitter and, and things like that, then you have to be there. But if you, you know, have a, a more mature market, shall we say, that is used to picking up the phone and, and calling somebody, then you'll have that too. But, you know, be aware of the fact that people cross over. Uh, you know, I've, I've talked to some people in their 70s who think Twitter is the greatest thing in the world. So, you know, be aware of that. Right. You know, and it's, you brought up an interesting point um, as, we're, as we're on this tip of knowing thine customer, right? Know thine mm-hmm. customer. You know, it's really important that you also think about how big data plays into all of this. You know, we've finally gotten to the point in digital marketing where we can actually predict exactly what customers want before they ask for it. I mean, when was the last right. time that you maybe perhaps were shopping for something online, dad, maybe a pair of shoes, a blouse, maybe a Christmas gift mm-hmm. for a friend, uh, a family member, and all of a sudden you, you left that website and went to Facebook and saw an ad from that same website. Right. It followed you, right? right? You know, that whole retargeting. You know, as marketers, we're getting smarter and smarter because we have some really amazing tools to assist us. The other thing that's mm-hmm. interesting, too, is, you know, getting customers excited about, hey, what their data can do. You know, I've seen some of these contests um, in the social networking uh, space where, you know, they ask you, hey, sign up for a contest, share this with your friends, and now you can kind of see the big influencers, at least the brand has some, some information, mm-hmm. one of the biggest influencers with their brand. I'm a, a big fan of Fab.com and Gilt Group, mm-hmm. and I buy from them fairly regularly because I like their products. Well, Fab and Guilt allow me the opportunity to post in, you know, my purchasing process to Facebook mm-hmm. and let my, my friends and followers know what I'm purchasing, what I'm into, so on and so forth. 
And it's pretty unique and kind of fun for the customer. I mean, I know that there's some people out there that are, are kind of against Facebook having a lot of their information. They're going to hate me for saying this. But I recently purchased an espresso. And how cool was it that over the holidays, people got me some, uh, for Christmas, some dear friends of mine who saw that purchase on Facebook, purchased some really cute Italian Vespa espresso cups for me, knowing mm-hmm. that I recently had invested in espresso. Um, and right. I also think that big data is on to what we were saying earlier. It's improving the customer service interaction. You know, if I know mm-hmm. that you've connected with me on Twitter, I'm not going to answer you back with an email that says, Dear Valued Customer. I hate that, by the way. I like when they say mm-hmm. my name, even right. if it's difficult to pronounce Dorotea. You know, hey, Dorotea, you know, um, thanks for tweeting us your issue. I think it's great to respond back to folks uh, initially where they initially engage with you, which whether mm-hmm. it's Twitter or right. Facebook or what have you. You post right back to them and say, hey, thanks so much. And then if you want to follow up with an email, it makes complete sense to me because I think that there's a place for email and, and social. Um, and I also think that big data also allows you to, you know, identify where customers have issues, what their business problems are. You know, imagine if you had a big group of people that attended your webinar and you found out that during the course of the webinar that they had these three main issues. Wouldn't that be great fodder in your research and development department you know, or maybe even for your marketing uh, 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 analytics uh, folks to create an ebook or perhaps a blog post as a three-part series mm-hmm. about those three issues that they, they consistently are having. So I'm seeing that big data is also helping social and even email marketing. Um, there's some great companies out there that do a wonderful job with lead generation in the email marketing space, um, mm-hmm. you know, helping them really get closer to their audiences. Um, be able to engage them in a very relevant way because they're providing them what it is that they need. Great. Well, you know, I love the concept of of big data, and we're um, ready to take another break. And so when we come back, I want to talk more about how, say, a small business owner with a a small budget can access and, and maybe figure out how they can use big data. So when we come back, we will talk about that. I am Deb Creer talking with Dorothea bozacolone Volpe on Mile High Radio. Thank you for being a friend Travel down a road and back again Your heart is true You're a pal and a confidant One hundred and fifty million people suffer from headaches All you want is for the pounding in your head to stop Migralex stops the pounding. Migralex was developed by a neurologist and founder of the New York Headache Center. I'm neurologist Dr. Alex Mauskop. After studying and researching the human brain for 25 years, I've developed Migralex, which eliminates pounding headaches. It works for my patients, and I'm so convinced it will work for you. I don't just guarantee it. I put my name on it. Dr. Mauskop's Migralex gets rid of headaches fast without harsh caffeine, sodium, or preservatives. Migralex works unbelievably fast and... And it's gentle on my stomach. Find out how to get your free bottle of Migralex. Call 800-547-6279. Plus, if you're one of the first 100 callers, you'll also receive the Migralex Quick Tips to Headache Relief absolutely free. That's 800-547-6279. Or go to MigralexRelief.com. M-I-G-R-A-L-E-X Relief.com. Or call 800-547-6279. Hey, everyone. Have you heard about the No-No Hair Removal Device that's sweeping the globe? If you want to go weeks without shaving, 
marketing and get smooth, professional, quality results, here's our favorite host, Cheryl, for No-No Hair Removal. Thanks. Hey, gals, I love talking about my No-No. It's this cute little hair removal system that you can take with you and use almost anywhere at home or on the road. No more expensive in-office treatments, painful waxing, and no more wasting your valuable time. Got unwanted facial hair? No-No has patented Thermacon technology that works on all hair and skin colors, so it's perfect for using on all body parts. And now you can take advantage of this incredible risk-free trial. Get the No-No, the facial kit, a travel case, and a $100 discount shopping card, and you don't risk a penny to try it. Try the incredible No-No hair completely risk-free. Call 1-800-953-8386. That's 800-953-8386. 800-953-8386. My Thank you for being a friend Travel down a road and back again Your heart is true, you're a pal and a confidant And we are back. I am Deb Creer talking with Dorothea Boza-Colona-Volpe. And we're talking about big data, which, you know, from a privacy perspective, it sometimes bothers people that you can go to a website and then the next time, <clears throat> excuse me, you're on Facebook, there's an ad that appears for it. Or, you know, you've talked about something in a Facebook post and then something appears. Um, it's always interesting when I look up something on uh, Google, you know, say a, a restaurant address, and I have a, an Android phone, which is a Google property, It that address then appears on my phone, so I don't have to retype it. So, you know, that's a little bit scary, but to me, as a marketer, it's also so cool. Um, because it does allow us to really target things a little bit better. But Dorotea, if you're a small business with a small budget, how can you take advantage of this big data? So, you know, it's it's really interesting because when you think of big data, you think of this huge thing that, um, you know, you can't get your arms around. You know, something just as small as setting up a Google alert for your business or its buzzwords, you know, things that are indicative mm-hmm. of, you know, your search terms, if somebody's searching on bakeries, let's say, or if you mm-hmm. have a dashery, you know, and you want to put in men's clothing. Um, the other side of it, too, is if you're a small company and you have, let's say, uh, an e-commerce, uh, an e-commerce type uh, of initiative, maybe you're selling some products um, specifically on your website, um, there mm-hmm. are inexpensive tools out there like Crazy Egg um, and others that will allow you to kind of take a look at you know, where people are coming from a user experience perspective, mm-hmm. where they're spending time, why they may have abandoned their shopping cart and so on and so forth, so that you have mm-hmm. some idea of what you need to improve on your web presence. There are a lot of tools ah. out there. I don't want to recommend one more than the other, so forgive me, mm-hmm. if, uh, the folks at Crazy Egg, I like what you do, but you may not be the best <laughs> suited uh, tool for everyone. But what I will mm-hmm. say is there are some very simple things that you can do. You know, the other side of it, too, is if you think about it, um, from a Google perspective, right? You know, Google runs mm-hmm. uh, and owns the search space. But also, if you have pay-per-click or you're trying to optimize um, your search uh, uh, your search engine, uh, mm-hmm. what I'll say to you is that um, they typically, um, and I do apologize for noise, I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> I'm in the corridor, so I, I'm kind of stuck um, with a lot of male voices around me. Um, what I'll say is that, you know, you may consider taking a look at, you know, your AdWords. 
Um, what are those mm-hmm. things that you need to be purchasing and understanding? And I, I am a big fan of asking your customer, you know, you and I, Deb, when we think about, you know, let's say a Hawaiian vacation, we may Google mm-hmm. Hawaiian vacation, but somebody else right. might put in, based on their cultural uh, perspective, holidays in Hawaii, or they might just put mm-hmm. in Hawaii, you know? Mm-hmm. You need to have an understanding first for how your customer thinks about your specific brand and what search terms they are specifically using. And I think that the mm-hmm. first thing being first, really understand that first before you think about collecting any of their data. Now, obviously, if you're a small business and you do have some money in the budget, it might be fun to run a quick promotion or a contest. Um, I have a client that is in the event space. Um, they have a, a convention that they do every year for people who are in um, who are lovers and fans of anime and gaming and cosplay. And one of the unique okay. things that they've done is they've used a tool called Sidekick, um, but there are others that work with their Facebook community to run contests. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because they are a small business, one of the things that they look to do is they know that their fans love free tickets and also promotional mm-hmm. items like T-shirts and such. So one of the things that they've done is they've been really adamant about, you know, sharing with their fans, you know, these cool promotions. And their fans have the opportunity on Facebook to share them themselves with their the, the their own communities that they have some influence. So, you know, a quick and dirty contest actually can help things like this come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's something that, you know, it comes back to what we've been saying. Know who your target market is. Um, you know, know, know what they're going to be using. You know, I, I did an ad not long ago on Google, and I didn't pick the right keywords. You know, even though I thought I was, I was picking the keywords that I thought people would use. And, you know, the, the cool thing about Google and, you know, and, and Facebook and, and all of the platforms where they're charging for advertising, because that's where they make their money, they're very helpful. You know, they, they want your ad to be successful because if it's a successful ad, you'll do it again and more money. So, you know, it's, it's something that you should really keep track of. But keywords are so important in other things. You know, it's important in your LinkedIn profile. It's obviously important in your website. You know, you might think people are searching for widgets. And they don't even know how to it. Um, you know, so you need to, to make sure that your keywords are really what people are looking for. And, you know, like Dorothea said, there are so many programs and applications out there to, to be able to find those keywords that there's really no excuse when somebody says, I'm not sure why my, my website or why nobody clicked on my ad. You know, there's really no excuse for that. Right. You know, and, and it, you know, we, I, I can't emphasize it enough. We absolutely have to know who it is that we're trying to reach. And, you know, we get caught up in, this is my message. This is what I want to sell. This is the product or service that I have. And we forget that, you know, it, it needs to solve a problem for someone else. And how is that problem being solved? You know, and and write your messages that way. Whether it's a tweet, whether it's um, you know something else that that you have posted on Facebook or are on your website. And to me, that's where it helps to follow thought leaders. Um, you know, people like Dorotea. Um, you know, and and Dorotea has mentioned some other people. I mean, you know, some of them are a little bit bigger names, like Richard Branson, and um, some of those people. But it's it really is a process that's continually evolving. And so when you follow someone like that, it's great information. So, Dorothea, who are your favorite people that you follow online 
for kind of inspiration and, and information. And I probably just put wow. together and they shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, uh, what I'll say is that um, I'm going to kind of answer this uh, as diplomatically as I possibly can. You know, it's kind of like asking a mom, who's your favorite kid? Um, right, there right. There are so many people who I really admire and like um, inside the marketing space um, that there's just too long of a list to mention. What I'll say, though, is um, I think it's really important to find things that are indicative of your industry, whether you're a marketer, whether you're a small business, right. and you see another business in your space that's maybe larger and taking a step back and looking at what they do. Make them part of your mm-hmm. Google Alerts. Use them in, you know, there used to be a Google Reader that doesn't exist anymore. Use them in your Feedly. Um, find articles mm-hmm. and things that you really enjoy. I know a lot of friends love reading Mashable. Mashable was great when it very first started, but I think it has since become sort of the national mm-hmm. inquirer on all, all things, you know, uh, right. pop culture mm-hmm. in the digital and, and the digital marketing and social world. Um, ben Parr, who's a personal friend, uh, started Mashable, and um, he knows my thoughts on it. I still read it on occasion. Um, but what I'll say is that, you know, there's a lot of uh, tools out there. A lot of wonderful people have written some books. Some I've had the wonderful fortune to uh, speak at um, conferences with, like Jason Falls and, and others, uh, Toby Bloomberg. Um, you know, again, I don't want to name too many names because I think there's so many amazing people in the space. What I will say, it's really important that you stick with what is relevant to your business. Um, mm-hmm. And really, I can't, I can't drive this point home more than anything else. The reason why most social media marketing and most digital marketing fails miserably is because people and brands do not take time to get to know the customer. The customer comes right. first. Always, always, mm-hmm. don't be a taker. You know, inform your customer. Do everything you can to get close to them. Give them what it is that they need. Solve their burning business mm-hmm. problem. You know, whether they're trying to book a holiday uh, at your hotel or whether they're trying to find an insurance solution, it's really super important that you understand who the customer is, understand their mm-hmm. habits, and understand how to communicate with them over the correct and proper channel. Right. Well, Dorothea, this has been absolutely fabulous. We didn't even get to everything I wanted to talk about, including personal branding, which is what I heard you speak about. So what that means is we have to schedule you to come back on again sometime. One I would time, tell people how they the reach you. Oh, it'd be so much yeah, fun. So really much fun. Um, so tell people how to find you online. Again, my website is socialespionage.us or .com, depending upon where you are in the world. Um, my Twitter handle is at socialespionage. You can find me everywhere in the world uh, using social espionage. That's where I exist. Um, and I'm really looking forward to connecting with your listeners. And I thank you again, Deb, for the generous gift of your time um, in even asking me to come on your show. So thank you again. I really do appreciate Perfect. it. Thank you, and thank everyone for listening. We will be be back next week, and enjoy this absolutely fabulous spring weather. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.